Thank you, worship team. Uh, good morning, brothers and sisters. Thank you for that warm welcome. Um, I feel very blessed. You know, every Sunday morning, I come to church. And, uh, you know, you should remind yourself that we live in a country where we can come freely to worship. Many Christians around the world are not so lucky, right? And, and many are martyred for their faith. So we are very privileged. So what a joy and a privilege uh, to be called to deliver a message this morning to Solano Church. I'm especially blessed to take part in this Encounter with Jesus sermon series. Each week, I look forward to coming here, learning more about Jesus, learning more about who He is, what He stands for, what His mission was. And I hope that, you know, I go back and use all of that learning to gain a deeper intimacy with Him. So this morning, we will look into an account of a miracle healing by Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 17, and we will begin at verse 11. And read along with me. It will also be up there. It's already there. Okay, so Luke 17, starting in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So this seems to be a straightforward account about Jesus performing a miraculous healing of ten lepers. Thank you. The, the four Gospels together describe 37 different miracles of Jesus. 23 of them are healing miracles. So this story of the ten lepers is found only in the Gospel of Luke. Another unique feature is that this is a mass healing. The other 22 healing accounts involve individuals or in some cases, two people. It should be noted that there is another account of Jesus healing a leper in the Gospel of Luke itself. That's in Luke chapter 5, if you want to look it up. And so this leper healing account occurred, the earlier one uh, in chapter 5 is chronologically earlier in Jesus' ministry. And that, that 
account is also covered in Matthew and Luke, whereas the miracle healing of ten lepers is only in the book of Luke, as I mentioned earlier. So we might ask the question, why did Luke include a second story about Jesus healing people with leprosy? What is Luke trying to teach us? So this, the message this morning will cover three themes, which are what I believe Luke intended for us to learn from this passage. And the three themes, themes are theme one being the outcast. And we will learn a little bit about how Jesus cares for the marginalized in society. And then following that, we will look into the healing of the ten lepers and, and see how Jesus' supernatural power compared to human power. And then theme three will be uh, a very important theme about what being grateful uh, can do for our wellness, for our personal you know, health. And I subtitle that Jesus criticizes in gratitude. Right? So these themes about Jesus are familiar to most of us. The important reminder I have for you today is how should we apply them in our daily lives? So let's begin right away with theme one, being the outcast. The Samaritan leper was an outcast in two ways. Being a leper condemned him to be excluded from social contact with people. He could not live within the safe confines of the village or town. He could not get a job. He had to beg for food or steal to live. He was separated from family. He had no future because at that time there was no cure for leprosy. So compare that to Levi, the tax collector that Pastor Andrew talked about uh, three weeks ago now. Right? Levi, though despised, he was an outcast too. But he had a house, he lived with his family, he had a job, he had friends, and he could entertain his friends. So lepers are the extreme outcasts, right? So, so let's bear that in mind. On top of that, this leper was a Samaritan who are despised by the Jews, as you know. There's a long history of hatred between Jews and Samaritans. We encountered that during our series uh, on Zechariah. In, in particular, how the Samaritans tried to block the rebuilding of the temple. And later on, they tried to block Nehemiah in the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. Samaritans were descendants of intermarriage between Jews and religious and other uh, racial groups. Their religion was a mix of Judaism and idols. It is interesting, don't you think, to note that the Samaritan leper ended up in the company of nine Jewish lepers. Okay? Their common plight and suffering from leprosy allowed them to overcome the racial and religious barriers between Jews and Samaritans. Jesus, however, treated them equally in his healing. So when the Samaritan returned, he worshipped Jesus as God. And Jesus acknowledged his faith, saying, Your faith has made you well. The statement could be translated, 
your faith has saved you because the word well uh, in, in Greek is zozo, sozo, and that means save, right? So your faith has saved you. The Samaritan who was already healed of leprosy when he came back to Jesus the second time now received complete healing from Jesus for his soul and spirit as well. Now, there was another Samaritan mentioned in Luke's Gospel, uh, but that was not a real person, as he was the Samaritan in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Right? So, you know, I want to make this point here. When you read the Bible, sometimes things are real, right? and sometimes things are parables. And, and when I used to teach Sunday school, some of the students, when they didn't quite believe what was happening, they would call it a parable, you know, okay. So this, this, what we are doing this morning is a story that is real, it's a historical account. So don't ever drift off the thing that it's a parable. It's not a parable. The parable is the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? So Jesus had an account with another Samaritan, however, and this was recorded in John's Gospel. And I think many of you will be familiar with this story. In John chapter 4, Jesus reached out to a Samaritan woman. She had two strikes against her in that she was a Samaritan and she was a woman. However, she had a third strike against her. Her past was checkered. She did not possess the best of reputations even among her people. But Jesus reached out to her. He offered her kindness and compassion. He gave her his time and attention. In fact, Jesus' conversation with her is the longest conversation recorded in John's Gospel. Right? That's interesting, isn't it? As a result, she became the first Gentile to acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah. And soon after, she became the first Gentile evangelist. If you, if you read John 4 carefully, you see all that. So all through the Gospel of Luke, we learn about Jesus reaching out to the segments of society who were people of low or no social status, the marginalized or those who we call outcasts. And on the chart you see the list, right? At that time, in Jesus' time, the marginalized were women, especially widows, children, the poor, the sick and handicapped, physically and spiritually handicapped, sinners who the Bible pointed out were how prostitutes and tax collectors were addressed, they are sinners, the unclean like lepers, and then the racially and religiously impure, Samaritans and Gentiles in general. Right? So Luke em embraced the marginalized in his gospel. And I think the reason is that he himself was a Gentile, okay? the only non-Jewish author in the Bible. Now, um, the marginalized have become, in quotes, little people in the eyes of those who look down on them, right? So when you think you're very big, everyone around you whom you dislike, you see as a little people, okay? Now, Francis Schaeffer, who was an evangelical theologian, there, philosopher and Presbyterian pastor, 
I wrote a book some years ago called No Little People. So the little people include the marginalized and the outcast. Schaefer emphasized in his sermons that we are all fellow creatures made in the image of God. So Jesus is obedient to that thought because he obeyed the commandment to love our neighbor in an all-inclusive way. For Jesus, there are no little people in his creation. Everyone is made in the image of God. Praise the Lord. So brothers and sisters, this morning the question is for you to think about who are the little people among your neighbors or in your workplace? Are you engaging with them? Let's be sure that we've tried to follow Jesus' example to love them. Let's try to remember that there are no little people in his creation. So that's theme one. I'm moving along to talk about the healing of the, the lepers themselves. So what's so great about healing lepers? To answer that, we need to know something about leprosy. So leprosy is a very old disease. In fact, it's referred to as an ancient disease. And historical and archaeological records go back 4,000 years or more. Now Moses, who lived around 1500 BC, devoted two chapters in Leviticus right, to talk about skin diseases. He was giving instruction to the priests on how to handle people with that affliction. And skin diseases addressed in Leviticus 3 and chapter 4 uh, included leprosy. So basically, a priest had to decide if a person was to be declared unclean. And, and this led to the unclean person being kept apart from the community at large because the fear was they were infectious. Right? So today we know that leprosy is more than a skin disease. It attacks the skin, the nerves, and the mucous membranes in a human body. Now, mucous membranes are simply the inner lining of your organs or your cavities, right? such as the nose, the mouth, your lungs, your stomach, and your intestines. Okay? So you can begin to imagine how horrible it is to be afflicted by leprosy. Right? Now, as the nerves are affected, you may lose your ability to feel pain. And the danger in that is that you may have a severe injury to a part of your body, but you're unable to, because you're unable to feel pain, you don't know that you're injured, and you don't know to go and seek help. Consequently, that may lead to the loss of a body part or worse. Right? So I leave it to your imagination of what the leper might look like if you encountered one. And leprosy is definitely a hideous and dreadful disease. Now, in the passage, Jesus reacted with compassion for the ten lepers. And what did he do? He simply told them to go and show themselves to the priests. Okay, so before Jesus' time, leprosy was already widespread. And there was no cure, as I mentioned before. Now, you look at uh, Luke Chapter 4, verse 27, it says there, Jesus said, 
And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. That's going back to 800 BC. And none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. I think most of you who've attended Sunday school remember that story. If you want to check into it, it's 2 Kings chapter 5. So leprosy was widespread in Jesus' time as well. And we know that Jesus had given the power to cleanse lepers, in fact, to his 12 disciples. Isn't that amazing? When he sent them out to evangelize, as reported in Matthew 10, and Jesus said, And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. We know today leprosy is still a worldwide disease. The U.S. is blessed that in a normal year, we have about 200 cases. Some countries are not so fortunate, as you see on that chart. In 2019, the latest good number from WHO, World Health Organization, reported that there were 202,000 new cases worldwide. Right? And this chart shows that three countries are heavily afflicted. India accounts for more than half, so they have 114,000 cases. Brazil comes in at number two with 28,000 cases. Indonesia with 17,000 cases. So you can see how blessed we are to live in the U.S. of A, right? <laughs> Another praise. Okay. Um, so um, those numbers uh, have to be seen in the context of population. Uh, India's population is four and a half times the U.S. right now. So, but they, they are like a thousand times you know, worse in, in, in leprosy. Right? Uh, the country that is actually uh, worse afflicted is Brazil. It, it, its leprosy rate uh, per million people is 50 times higher than India. So even though their number is smaller, it's because of the population being smaller. Okay. So the good news is, for everyone, today there is a cure for leprosy. Okay. Now leprosy has a, because it, there's a cure, they give it a respectable name. It's called Hansen's disease. And it is the name, Hansen was a young Norwegian doctor who was working in a leper hospital in Norway. And in 1873, he published an article which says, the cause of leprosy is bacteria. <laughs> okay. and, and until then, uh, the medical community considered leprosy to be an incurable hereditary disease. Okay. So think of the hundreds of thousands or millions of, of lep leprosy sufferers. Uh, being condemned to, to an undignified death, life and death. Until then, right? 1873. So with the discovery that it was caused by bacteria, of course, scientists jumped in to try to find a cure. It took over 100 years to find a cure, <laughs> okay? And um, in 1995, the World Health Organization announced the cure and today it provides it for free. And, and the patient is treated with three powerful antibiotics. And these are really powerful antibiotics. You take three of them 
and the patient has to take them for between a year and two years. And good news is the treatment has a success rate of about 99%. Praise the Lord. Okay, I, at this point, I just want to mention, uh, you know, COVID is all around us still. You remember that by, in contrast, it took us, the medical uh, community took under a year to develop vaccines for COVID-19. Think about that, <laughs> right? It took over 100 years to find a cure for leprosy. And, and we had a vaccine for COVID-19 within a year. Now, so far, we've been in the COVID season for two and a half, three years. The number of deaths in the world due to COVID is over six million people. One million being in the U.S., okay, disproportionately. We're only 4% of, of the world population, right? So imagine if science wasn't able to come up with a vaccine and it took the normal time to find a vaccine, which runs 10 to 12 years. So in your praises, please praise God <laughs> for this. So I was thinking about that when I read this about, you know, the fact that it took over 100 years to find a vaccine for, I mean, to find a cure for leprosy. And, and you know, so think about Jesus, right, who's the center of our story, simply commanding these 10 lepers to go see the priest. <laughs> Imagine the supernatural power. This is not a parable, brothers and sisters. This is Jesus' supernatural power at work. It's amazing. Right? Compare that command to go and they were cleansed along the way, maybe in minutes or perhaps more than an hour, to see the priests, to taking three antibiotics for between a year and two years. <laughs> and those of you who have taken antibiotics know there are side effects, right? Terrible side effects. I've, I've been through that with a relatively, you know, uh, ordinary uh, antibiotic. So I want to emphasize this. I believe that healing power is still available from our living God. Of course, we should always take advantage of modern medical know-how, technology, drugs, vaccines, treatments. They are God's gifts to us. Don't, don't be mistaken, okay? But let's not forget to also seek Jesus' supernatural power through faith and prayer. Who knows, a miracle may just be waiting for you. God asked Abraham once, and this is in Genesis 18, is anything too hard for the Lord? And in faith, the answer is no, right? So that's theme two. Let's, let's move on to theme three. And just let's read over that passage again, uh, starting now in verse 15. Then one of them, 
the, the Samaritan leper, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten clans, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? So those few verses show Jesus' concern about gratitude. What can we learn from him? How did Jesus practice it himself? And what reasons might Jesus have for teaching us about gratitude? It's interesting to see that the Samaritan expressed his thanks for being healed. We notice that he praised God with a loud voice. How often do we do that? <laughs> Say, praise the Lord. Thank you. <laughs> so remember, praise God with a loud voice. And interestingly, he instinctively knew that all good things come from God. So he thanked God, you know. He didn't thank the man Jesus, all right, who, who actually gave him the command to go. And then when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet. This phrase, fell on his face, is the right posture when you encounter God. The Samaritan instinctively knew that Jesus was God. And this ability could, is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Right? Now in the Old Testament, people like Abraham, Moses, Joshua, David, Ezekiel, you'll find they fell on their faces when they encountered God. So Jesus suddenly recognized that God is the provider and that he answers prayers. Accordingly, he showed gratitude to God, the Father. So Jesus gave thanks that his prayers were heard just before raising of Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha. Jesus gave thanks before the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus gave thanks before the feeding of the 4,000. Those two miracles. He gave thanks at the Last Supper. We're so familiar with that, right? So in Luke 22, verse 19, uh, it says, talking about the Last Supper, it says that Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. At Solano, we celebrate, as you know, uh, Holy Communion every Sunday, or some people call it Lord's Supper. It's actually appropriately called the Eucharist, which comes from the Greek word Eucharistio, which simply means give thanks. Right? So, so I like that. Now, thankfulness continues to be a theme in the epistles. Paul, for example, advised the Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So notice, it says, all circumstances. We are to give thanks in all circumstances, not just when things are going well, or when God blesses us, we should give thanks even as we go through the valley of the shadow of death. See, by doing so, we are acknowledging that God is sovereign 
and that our trust is in Him to see us through the tough times. Just as Jesus was healing lepers 2,000 years before doctors found a cure for leprosy, Jesus was teaching us about thankfulness, I think for our own good. So one major development in the 21st century is the scientific study of the effects of gratitude on a person's overall wellness. Many universities are taking on this research and, and the number of publications has grown exponentially. This is now, there is now solid evidence from scientific studies that gratitude has a positive impact on our wellness. In fact, in all the four dimensions, physically, mentally, emotionally, and relationally. So it's powerful stuff. So here are a couple of examples of interest in the work that is being undertaken. The first is, earlier this year, Fuller Seminary in LA held a multi-day, in fact, a three-day symposium. I was lucky enough to be watching in uh, online. And it, the symposium was the science and spirit of gratefulness. And the guest speaker featured was psychologist Dr. Robert Emmons. He's a pioneer in this area. He's been doing research in this area for over 20 years. So he's an emeritus professor at UC Davis. His research is in the field of personality psychology, emotion psychology, and the psychology of religion. And Dr. Emmons is a Christian. So note the quote below. He says, gratitude is not just a switch to turn on when things are going well. It is also a light that shines in the darkness. I think this is another way of saying, give thanks in all circumstances. <laughs> okay. Another example closer to home, this is a publication by a, a, a group in, in UC Berkeley. Right? And it's called The Science of Gratitude. And the author, who is a fellow there and a writer, is Dr. Summer Ellen, and she works at the Greater Good Science Center. And this report, which you can download from the internet if you're interested, it is a 72-page report about gratitude studies and findings. It includes 13 pages of references and cited 275 books and articles about the science of gratitude. It's amazing. <laughs> so this report was done for the Templeton Foundation, which is a non-profit with lots of money. And it funds research, interestingly. It, it prefers to fund research which lies in the intersection between science and religion. Okay. So the study of gratitude fits right into this space. Yeah. So the ideas from such research are being applied widely today. An example of this is from Kaiser Permanente. It's on their website. Okay, They are encouraging the practice of gratitude for personal wellness. And it says that gratitude can be good for you, 
how giving thanks can rev up your health and happiness. See? It's amazing. So, you know, Kaiser is, is a non-profit, but actually they, are, they are want to make money, so <laughs> or save money. And, and for them to, you know, promote this, it tells you that they believe in the science behind this, see? Okay. So it's, it's great. So uh, let me just give you very quickly uh, an idea of some of the benefits of gratitude, uh, which has been published. So this, this next chart, please. Yeah, this paper is called seven, or this article is called Seven Scientifically Proven Benefits of Gratitude from Psychology Today, author Amy Morin. And, and it's, you know, if you go down the list, it says, gratitude's open the door to more relationships, in other words, better relationships. Gratitude improves physical health. Gratitude improves psychological health. And then this one, which is great, you know, John prayed earlier for the country. I think we need this one. Gratitude enhances empathy and reduces aggression, right? We need that to get to have unity in the country. Um, so so that, that's good. And then uh, the next one I know effect will be beneficial to a lot of people. Benef uh, grateful people sleep better. There's a lot of scientific evidence of that. And as you know, sleep deprivation impacts mood, it impacts decision making, etc., etc. And then improves self-esteem. I know people here who need that. <laughs> and and then <laughs> gratitude improves mental strength. Right? So. And, and, you know, knowing and benefiting are really two different things. Benefits can only come through applying the knowledge. And here are some ways you can practice gratitude. And I, I'm sure some of this is familiar to you. In, in, in uh, just noting time, I will just address a few of them. So the first one is, suggest is journaling. So the idea is, you know, it's good to keep a gratitude journal by your bedside. And before you go to bed, um, you know, each evening, write down at least three things that you've encountered during the day that you feel grateful for, right? Three or more things. And when you find yourself writing, you know, as time goes on more and more, getting longer and longer, your list of gratitudes, that's a good sign, <laughs> okay? And, 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 um, and then, of course, as Christians, once you write them down, you get down on your knees, right? And you praise God, and you thank God for your blessings, okay? And as a result of that, you might just, uh, you might just sleep better, okay? And then, pay, second one, pay attention to little things in life. Uh, when you go for walks, how often do you notice the flowers, you know, in, in people's front yards? How often do you hear the birds singing in the trees? Um, I, I do a lot of walking and I'll tell you, uh, I'm amazed. <laughs> the things I see, the sounds I hear. So learn to appreciate those things and then you'll feel grateful for them. And uh, the third one is, for me, uh, uh, something I challenge you to do, okay, in the coming week. It says, in, actually in full, it says, telling someone you're grateful for them, for something they did, even if it was a long time ago. That, that's too long to fit into my chart. Okay? So the idea is looking around this room, many of you 
still remember your first or second grade teachers in school, okay? in primary school? In the coming weeks, send them a thank you note or send them a thank you email or text. Right? And you, you will they will definitely fall on their faces <laughs> receiving your, your message. But most of all, after you do that, you feel so good about yourself. <laughs> okay, so give that a try. And uh, okay, I'll just jump down to the last one: giving thanks through prayer. It is so important. All right, most of us pray. What do we do? Let's be honest about it. We get down on your knees and say, "God, I need this. I need that. I need this. I need that." Okay. Uh, um, prayer is actually should be mostly in in adoration and praise and thanks. Okay, so I just want to remind remind you of that. So let me net this out for you. The net is science is finally catching up with Bible wisdom from God. Okay, I would encourage everyone to practice gratitude by making it a spiritual discipline. Begin by making it a habit to give thanks to God and to sing His praises and to glorify Him. Let's not forget to thank Him daily for the greatest gift that we've already received from Him, which is His love for us. And this is expressed in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. We should be eternally grateful for, for that. So, that's, I've come to the end of the, the, the message. Just as a reminder, those are the three themes for today. You know, I praise the Lord for His Word and the wisdom that it contains to help us to live well and in relationship with Him. In closing, Let's remember that Jesus told the Samaritan leper, your faith has made you well. I hope what we learned this morning will help us grow in faith in Jesus and help us to center our lives in Him. Amen. Okay, um, so let's close. In, uh, let, let me pray. Uh, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for teaching us so much through this miracle story in Luke's Gospel. Help us to befriend and love those who are considered little people in our neighborhood and in our workplace. Help us to grow our faith in you and to draw upon your supernatural powers to help us in our afflictions. And help us to practice gratitude as a spiritual discipline so that we can enjoy the wellness that you intend for us to possess. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.